0: Good evening, Canes fans, and welcome into the 10th episode of The Rod the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and as always, joined by my co-host, Mike May. How are we doing tonight, Mike?
1: We're doing awesome tonight. Excited to record and talk about the hot topic.
0: And that, that hot topic is, of course, the... uh can't even call it petty because I do think it's a really shrewd uh, move, but the offer sheeting of... Montreal, Senator Yasperi Kakanimi, henceforth known as KK because I pronounced it right and I will not do that again. As we found Proud out on a, on a previous episode, I don't do the European names. So before we really get into the podcast, I think we have a special message for our French listeners back at home.
1: Le Rod The Podcast présente la revanche des ouragans Caroline.
0: For those here in Raleigh, across the United States, and our, our special listeners over in Finland, uh, that do not speak French. That was our special guest, Google Translate, titling the episode, Revenge of the Carolina Hurricanes. Mike, can you tell the fans why it's Revenge of the Hurricanes night?
1: Well, I mean, we can go back to 2019, Spash and Aho offer sheet, which did not go over well with owner Tom Dundon or general manager Don Waddell. They weren't appreciative of it. It happened what, July 1st, July first day? Or you know, as quickly yeah. as it could. Exactly. And a lot of people will sit here and tell you, oh, they did a Canes a favor, they did a Canes a favor. Yes, partially they did do the Canes a favor. We got a good dollar value for them. We got it wrapped up. Everyone wants it. They all wanted to talk about the idea that Dundon couldn't pay signing bonuses up front, and that's just hilarious. But with that being said, the reason why... They were taking a while because they wanted to do what they just did was fetch. They wanted to lock Ajo in for eight years. And what Montreal did was sign him to a five-year and walk him straight into unrestricted free agency. And that is not a win Yeah, in that regard.
0: So I, I totally agree with you. All, all the people out there that think that Montreal did Carolina favor we, we totally rebuff that narrative. We just cannot subscribe to that just because although it feels good now because he's at a solid AAV and under market AAV for his performance, um, that's really going to hurt here in a couple of years when, when he comes up and is going to be demanding market value. And, and at that point, I, I hope the team's in the position where they kind of have to give it to him because um, he's your best player right now. And I can only see him continuing to be the same elite caliber player um, So we know the organization doesn't think they were done a favor because they're really upset about not having those three years, which walks us up into the point. uh, I guess going back to Saturday, uh, about 5 p.m. ish, uh, when the Carolina Hurricanes offer sheeted former number three overall pick in the 2018 draft, the pick directly after Andre Svechnikov, Montreal center. KK.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, for everyone that's not in the room with us right now, we do have the pronunciation written up on our board. Henceforth
0: known as KK, which is his nickname. (laughs) uh, To a one-year, $6.1 million and $15 deal, um, which even by the the most uh, ardent supporter of KK uh, is well above market value. I, I think most... People have him rated in the two, two and a half, maybe three million dollar range, and that would mostly been based on his rookie year performance, which was outstanding. So the real pettiness, though, kicks in with the twenty dollars signing bonus.
1: Well, that was just the cherry on top. Which right? is obviously Aho's uh, number.
0: Kane's social media switches everything over to French. Don Waddell releases a statement, which is almost verbatim, which Mark Vergevan released. Uh, following the offer sheeting of Sebastian Aho, And now we've just been sitting here waiting. And everything you hear is, and it's kind of a brilliant tactical move because unlike offer sheeting on day one of you know, free agency, July 1st in 2019, well, Carolina had maximum flexibility. They were always going to sign the Ajo deal. It was more like a an insult to Dundon because it was, a, as you said, a signing bonus thing. This deal now is much, you know, is an untenable situation for Montreal that they do not have the cap space to sign Kakanemi to this deal. They just cannot do it without subtracting. You know, it's obviously going to take uh, Weber going to on LTIR. Who knows if that's going to happen? It just really puts them in a highly leveraged scenario, one that Carolina was not with Aho.
1: Yeah, they can afford it, but they can't afford it and do anything else. That is the key. And like you said, it requires the LTIR. It requires items like that. And you look at it and you applaud the Hurricanes. If this is if this is a hockey move, which we both think it's 100% a hockey move, is there an added layer of revenge to it? Absolutely. Would the Hurricanes go out and make... An offer sheet on a player that they actually have a potential chance of getting and not want him? No, that's just a ridiculous notion. And anybody that thinks that just isn't plugged in.
0: No one is going to spend six million dollars a first and a third rounder just on a. Ha ha! Got you back.
1: Yeah, it's just it's, silly. It's,
0: they, they're pinpointing a player that had a great rookie year. Great, I mean, performed to expectation, performed well as a guy that was probably rushed to the league a little too soon and has struggled in the subsequent two years. Part of that in my mind is he's been one underutilized and played out of, you know, where he excels. I think the exciting part for Carolina is you're, you're potentially buying a a 21 year old, obviously a highly drafted, highly skilled player who can actually slot in hopefully to your top six, likely on the wing, uh, but is no worse than a top nine player, which we've been talking about this team desperately needs. And it's, although it's a, you know, heavy price to pay, you're paying, you know, almost double his market value, if not more, it makes a ton of sense because as I heard Luke DeCock, DeCock uh, phrase it, Carolina, who had tried to trade for KK uh, last week, easily would have offered a first rounder, a third rounder and three million dollars. Well, now the extra $3 million is just, to his point, going to the player. That's a no-brainer deal for a guy that was just the third overall pick a handful of seasons ago.
1: Yeah, and for everybody that's saying the 6.1 is what you'd have to qualify him at next year if it comes to that, the thought is, and it would make the most sense if the Canes had discussed what... Does a deal, what does an extension look like come January when they're able to extend Kokonami potentially? What does what does that cost look like? And I guarantee you, as we heard Elliot Friedman report, and I believe the same thing that it's going to be significantly less than 6.1. I I think it's probably high threes, low fours is probably what he's getting locked into. And it's probably two, maybe three years is what we're looking at. And so the notion that he's going to get paid $6.1 million through the remainder of his restricted free agency, I just don't buy into that. Now, there is the threat if he's in Montreal and things don't go well and they continue to go not go well, it gives him a ton of leverage in saying, you're either trading me or you're paying me $6.1 million next yeah, year. Yeah,
0: I think that's the optimum point to where the six point one matters the most. Because Montreal doesn't have the financial flexibility to sign him long term. They can't trade him for at least a year. So he's next year going to go if he, you know, is kept by the Canadians. He's going to go into next year, minimum 6.1, and he's not it's very clear he wants to be gone. I, I think when you look back at the Ajo situation, Ajo just wanted a deal done. He clearly wanted to be here. KK was scratched in the Stanley Cup playoffs was under was played down in the lineup. He feels disenfranchised by that organization. He's a highly skilled player that's being asked to play a defensive role and it's just not a fit. The media scrutiny up there is such a higher level and apparently people from his camp have basically not gone on record but told people that he's played his last game for the Canadians way back, you know, in the playoffs. And you know, that could have been hearsay. They might not have been able to move him. They might have no interest in moving him. Moving But now here we are, September 1st, we got a handful of days and it just seems that the Canadians are so over leveraged right now that this is not a one year agreement for them as it is kind of for Carolina. And yes, it would be an absolute travesty and almost organizational malpractice to spend $6.1 million on a guy that Carolina doesn't have a deal for. And I know that would be tampering, but I think we kind of both feel like they might have a deal in the drawer, so to speak. Um, you know, so $6 million, a first and a third, uh, if they don't, you know, tenure him or tender him or re-sign him. Yeah. I think that would be a really unfortunate situation, but at the end of the day, I'll just keep coming back to you. It's, it's hard to get one centers. It's hard to get guys with this kind of pedigree and to get him here at the cost of what we assume will be a late first and a late third rounder and was essentially $3 million over market value. Seems pretty much like a no brainer to me.
1: Yeah, and the Canes are a team that has two third-round picks this year, so at the end of the day, you're out a first-round pick. You've got multiple picks at the end of the draft as well, so they've shown that they understand how to aggressively draft. They're not going to be down draft picks. They'll be without a first for the second consecutive year potentially, but organizations that understand how to find talent later in the draft are the ones that succeed anyways. They probably think they have their fair share of first-round talents already, so it's not as much of a bargaining chip in terms of their fear of loss of that of that uh, asset, if that makes sense. So we sit when you sit back and look at it, you realize that when you get the opportunity to acquire a guy that's still really young, that has absolutely been developed poorly, which anybody that follows player development will likely sit and tell you that he's been poorly developed you have a chance you have a chance to turn that around he's got definitely got second line caliber skill right away i think not maybe next year but in in the near future i could see him really being a plug at the second line and you know he could potentially achieve first line quality but with that being said if you can acquire a top six center at the price that they could potentially get him, that's a massive win. And it just goes to kind of show the philosophy that the Hurricanes have. They like to take high risks for high-ceiling players.
0: Well, you you have to feel more comfortable with it because he is a Finnish guy. And so yeah. they've seen him come up through the ranks. Uh, I'm not sure a, a team in the entire NHL has a better feel for Finland and uh, bringing guys over. So it, it's kind of a move that you feel exceedingly comfortable with from a scouting perspective. They feel confident in the type of player they are bringing in. I'm sure the analytics point towards a player being you know, misused, and thus, if we put him in an optimum usage role, you would expect the production to follow. Uh, I, I do want to get into kind of the pettiness and your thoughts on that because it's obviously been very divisive in the hockey community. But before that, I, I think it's important to talk kind of where the roster is at, where we think he slots in, And are the Canes done? So let's talk about the roster and where you think he slops in first, and then we'll see if there's any other moves we're hearing about before we talk about the pettiness.
1: So I think if he is part of the team, you're looking at left wing on probably Jordan Stahl's line. I would not hate seeing him play on the second line with Trocek and Natchez. I think that would give him the best opportunity to quickly fulfill his potential. I also don't think he'll struggle struggle, excuse me, playing on the third line with a dominant two-way center and a talented winger, whether it's we'll see who it is. We'll have to watch training camp, but we know that it would be with Jordan Stahl or Vincent Trochek, most likely.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of love him on that Trochek Natchez line. I think that could be a highly skilled, you yeah. know. Fun, fun, fast-paced line that it's going to put the pressure. And I think you'll probably see those guys together um, more so at home, where you have second change and you can kind of, you know, dictate the matchups a little bit. Knowing Rod, that probably won't be the case. He'll be on the third line playing with Jordo, probably Jesper Fast, if I had yeah. to guess. Um, and he'll have to kind of earn his role and weigh in. And I think that's okay. I, I think at times that's maybe lingered longer than it should. And you need to unleash these talented guys to let them play together. Yeah, I know there was a, you know, rumor that that's fetch was disappointed to be playing with Stahl for a lot of the year last year. And Hey, Jordan was going, so I, I got that. But at the end of the day, if this team's going to make the jump, they need to do everything possible to put their young, highly skilled guys who can jump into superstardom. And for me, that's fetch. And obviously Aho, I think, is already there. But those two guys, and then Natus is right on the precipice of that. And maybe Kotketiemi can jump into the Natchez range. And then you have, you know, four to six highly skilled guys, elite depth, because that Nino, Stahl, Foss line can be a very difficult line to play with. And I think Trocek can play at that, you know, highly skilled level as well. Um, he, like you said, he is Trocek Insurance. We already felt like Natchez was. There is a sentiment around the team that they want to bring Trocek back. We know that contract situations can be difficult here, uh, but that's certainly a guy that has uh, assimilated to the team, uh, especially last year, pretty expeditiously after you know an inauspicious start coming off the energy and trade from uh, the Panthers. But yeah, I, I'm excited about that forward group. I, I really I think he if he he doesn't even have to fulfill his potential next year. No, he, if he's just a 40 50 point guy, which would be a career high for him easily. You, you've really moved the needle. I just think the skill level and style of play is going to make so much sense. And although it may have hindered his development, having to play this defensive style in Montreal is going to make him a better two way player down the road. It's just can we unlock the offensive side?
1: Yeah, and obviously we we all love to talk about it, but he gets to come play for Rod. He gets to play in a smaller market. I read rumors that he wasn't good with French. Um, So it's just a new scene for a guy that has high expectations for himself, and uh, it has the potential to really pay off. And that's one of the most intriguing parts about this is when you look at offer sheets, how often you're just like, there's not much there, like, like you know, and you look at the AHO one, and it's like, of course the cans are going to match, like, and it's, you it's just like, got, you well, just got played. People,
0: people go, why, why is Carolina overpaying this guy, you know, who doesn't have the production, yeah, pedigree, whatever, but like Elias Pedersen's out there, and it's like, Vancouver's not letting him leave. Like, no. there's no way. So, you're literally wasting your time by doing that. Well, and Elias Patterson has to sign
1: the sure. offer sheet, and, right?
0: But in this scenario, they've identified a player that, by rumors at least, wants out. And they have taken the requisite time. You know, it's not July. And I know it was pushed back a little bit this year. But free agency is, you know, weeks and weeks past. Everyone, the dust has settled. They know where everyone's at from a cap standpoint. More importantly, they know where they are from a cap standpoint. And it's like, we can target this guy, a player that would cost us a lot more to trade for, duh, because they wouldn't have done a first and a third, which was apparently the offer. Um, And now, hey, we're going to find out on Saturday if they match what I've heard, and you referenced Elliot Friedman earlier in his uh, reaction, 31 thoughts, to this offer sheet uh, podcast episode. Probably what's going on now is the Canadians are shopping those first and a third to see what they can get. If and when they decide to let the Canes get uh, keep Kakanimi, Um and see, because I got to replace him somehow, and it's just, it was always. I don't think any of us ever really believed there were a legitimate threat to you know make another significant run. It was kind of a, a fairy tale thing to begin with. Um, but subtracting him, I, I just think you know that they are a huge regression candidate. Not that he was obviously a huge uh, player for them because he was scratched in the playoffs, but you know maybe that's one less team in the atlantic we got to worry about
1: yeah it's it's a unique situation and it's um they're going to wait till saturday because regardless of what they decide to do they're going to try to handcuff the hurricanes and the 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 beauty of it is that the canes are pretty much done yeah that's why you yeah. don't
0: do it on july yeah. 1st right?
1: they've put themselves in a really good position cuz if you get them I believe that sparks a potential Nino trade if that's a route the Canes are looking at because You can put Kokoniemi On your third line and I think he could slot on your second line realistically. I think he has potential I think with the players He would be playing with um, He would have a really good opportunity to thrive there and then he's either on a really deep third line or You know he's playing a little bit of second line. I do think the Canes will continue to shop for another top six winger, um, probably on a short-term deal. That's why Tarasenko still makes sense. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen soon just because of St. Louis's stance on it. I know that I've heard multiple reports. It just sounds like the Canes are still in on him. And like we talked about earlier, it's the perfect target for the Hurricanes, right? He reminds me a lot of the Trocek trade, right? He's a little older than Trocek, obviously, but it's the same idea.
0: Older, oh. but also a higher pedigree players yeah, at higher sure. highs in the league. For and, sure. But yeah, considered maybe damaged goods, yep. slightly overpaid. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a great buy. Obviously, that would require Nino going out. Yep. And with the KK signing, if he does end up in Carolina, that's probably going to require Gardner to go LTIR, which is not a given. He's still got to fail a physical and, and all those things. But uh, more likely than not... Uh, they're going to find the space, and of course, this is going to work out. So, uh, I think the team is confident he's coming here. Uh, I don't. Granted, it's it's hard to uh compare it to much of anything else because offer sheets are so rare. But yeah. this one, pretty much universally, seems like a foregone conclusion. And, and I don't think it is a you know bunch of jerks move. I mean, it's in the rules. I don't know why GMs don't do it more often. I. It, it's not it's not the Pettersons of the world to use a guy we referenced earlier that should be getting offer sheeted. It's these type of guys buying low on low roster players because teams may not feel like they're in a position to overpay to keep a guy. Yeah. And, and so you are leveraging, you know, a buying opportunity here and Hey, I, I think it's really great. And just another example of, although I've been hard on them in, at times this off season, they do think out of the box. They use every, all the creative ways allowed within the rules to make the team as good as possible and make sure the on ice product is where it needs to be. And this is just another example of that.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that if Koka was on any other team, they would have done it just because I do think part of it's the bad blood. It's not something that most GMs smile at, right? It's not, it's kind of an unspoken rule. Like you avoid offer sheets more frequently than not. And you look at it and it's, I don't understand how you can be upset with it as a Montreal fan. Like there are repercussions for when you do something that another organization dislikes. Right. I mean, it's that fair. You, you put them in a position they didn't want to be in. You expect that just to be welcomed with a hug and a smile. Like it's just yeah. not that simple. Well,
0: Speaking of hug and smiles. And before we get there, um, one thing I just got to address is there's been some social media backlash uh, against the player. Um, that he shouldn't have signed, which is ludicrous, and that he should have this, you know, moral compass that says, I am not worth $6 million yet. I should stick with the team, take a market value contract. What a ludicrous sentiment. So ridiculous. Who would not, if some, if someone, if you you come to your job and uh, a different company comes in and is going to pay you three times more than you're making
1: right now, are you going to say no? Well, in a potentially better environment, yeah. too, right? It's not that hey, it's not just more, like more yeah.
0: opportunity to grow, you know, better role, better title, and three times your salary. Yeah. Every single one of us would take that offer and run with it. Yeah. And, you know, to live in an objectively better place too. But that's Absolutely. just my opinion. Um so just don't rip the kid. This is not the kid's fault. And when he if and when he gets to Raleigh, don't view him as the six million dollar player. Because that is not what he is, the organization doesn't think that's him. That was just a means of getting him here. Correct. Judge him off the, um, the deal he signs next. The deal that we think yep. is in the drawer that we believe he will sign uh, in January or soon thereafter. Yep. Judge him off that. Don't don't overreact to his price point now. Just like you didn't overreact when you know the Canes signed and then subsequently. Uh, release Patrick Marlowe six million dollars just to buy a first rounder. It's just buying assets. It's asset management. It's a creative way of doing that. And as I said, the organization just does it kind of better than anyone else right now. They are more oh. willing to step outside the box and improve their team. And I think that is something to be you know applauded. Uh, speaking of something to be applauded, applauded. I, I referenced smiling. What was the part? of the announcement that made you smile the most that made you laugh that did it for you. Uh, were you a fan of it? Did you think it was over the top? Give me your general sentiment when you found out the news on Saturday.
1: I oh, was a hockey nerd. I was so excited I was like ear to ear grinning. I thought it was number one, the pettiness was just next level and honest. I, bl- I live for that. Like it was just fantastic. And then when you look at it as a hockey move, like we've really broke down tonight, it's just like, look, you have an opportunity to take a young guy that has potential and a lot of potential still and bring him to your organization for like you mentioned, essentially a first, a third and 3 million bucks. You, it's a home run. Duh. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't get him, you have now put a team that you obviously dislike into a worse position.
0: quote unquote, cap hell as they say absolutely yeah um (laughs) the $20 signing bonus to answer your question just chef's kiss easily
1: just yeah so I I think
0: the $20 signing bonus was great um before I get to my favorite part I I just want to comment on one thing you said the hockey nerd part of me thought it was awesome I I I just think offer sheets should be a thing this shouldn't be some like unicorn yes like I don't know why teams and I it's probably the old boys club, you know, they don't want to infringe on anybody uh, and they don't want someone infringing on their negotiations, but hey, use every way possible to get talent to your team. So, independently of the Canes or the Canadians, I think that's great. And if it was, you know, Calgary and Arizona, awesome. Here for it anyone. Um, but my favorite part of the pettiness had to be the the Don Waddell you know, oh, basically yeah. mimicking <laughs> the Bergevin yeah. comments from a few years ago. Uh, and then the team obviously releasing that in French was just like impeccable. It's good for the game. Like whether you love it or hate it, it's great for the brand. It gets the canes more than anybody may understand that this is entertainment. Yeah. And, and it's a show. And part of that nowadays is obviously the social media component.
1: Absolutely. And. <laughs>
0: If, if this makes you upset, if it's not, you know, the, the hockey you grew up with, I'm sorry. But that's just where we're going now. And it's good for the game not to be buttoned up. It presents to new fans. Because at the end of the day, the the move was great. And that obviously gets covered on all the major sports platforms. But the social media activity and, and you know, content produced by the team got just as much play. That's great for the Canes. That's great for the league. That's great for going the game of hockey. It is just such a win, win, win scenario. And you know what? what is tough as I've been on him at times? Like you got to respect Tom for, for being kind of that true Texan big man in the room that you're not going to get me. I'm going to get you. And you know, kind of pulls his stuff yeah. out on the table. Yeah. Um, We'll keep this podcast PG, but (laughs) I I, I respect the the arrogance and you know bravado of that move.
1: Yeah, I mean we we all have things that we like about Dundon, and we all have things we don't like about Dundon. When it comes to the on ice product and being willing to go against the grain and all of those things, he's there. He's and you got to appreciate that Um, the product. Look at what the product's been since he's been here, right? So you, you look at it and you take it for what it is. We're going to be the first to keep an eye on them. And if we don't like things, we're going to tell you we don't like things. But as we currently look at the state of hockey on the ice, we love it. We got ourselves our own uh, wannabe Jerry Jones. Is that, <laughs> is that how we're going to go? A little it's wannabe rumored, Jerry yeah. Jones.
0: Um, yeah. Hey, until the on-ice product suffers... It's hard not to call them the smartest kid in the room. And yeah. it's frustrating. I, I know I disagree with things and you've disagreed with things that they've done recently and, you know, within the tenure of this regime. But ultimately, when, when the team, you know, makes the playoffs once again this year, like we hope they will, um, it's going to be hard to knock them. And, and hey, for the longevity of the organization here in Raleigh, I hope, we all hope we need them to continue to win. And Absolutely. I think we now have a core, which uh, KK will be a big part of, in my opinion, um, because as we talked about, the organization this offseason, in my opinion, lost a core member. Well, not that KK has the pedigree or he has the pedigree, not that he has the performance metrics to indicate that he will be a core member. He has the pedigree too. So now they've potentially replaced him and they've replaced a core member with the hardest position in the league to acquire, which is a young, high pedigree yeah. center, it not to sound redundant, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. I, I hope we're sitting here with you next week talking more about how he fits within the team structure. We have clarity that he is here. If not, um, I hope we don't have, maybe we'll have to record emergency pod at some point if, yeah. he, if he does end up resigning with uh, Montreal. But uh, any final notes on the offer sheet?
1: no it's exciting it we get to record a whole podcast about it and that's awesome we love that this is the kind of stuff that we get excited for um hopefully we uh gave you a little bit more insight than maybe you did have prior to it let us know if uh if you disagree with us
0: sure and hey we, we've appreciated the the recent uh social media interaction We we hope that continues but hey more than anything else, I know we're pumped about the move, but it's content for us, right? So gives us something exciting to talk about. I think this is a fun and engaging conversation. As Mike said, we hope you learned something and we hope you'll join us next week. Uh, I hope you guys have a good night and Mike, tell them where to find us.
1: You can find us on Instagram at The Rod The Podcast and on Twitter at The Podcast. Make sure for whatever platform you're using that you follow, like, subscribe, whatever it may be. Turn on those bell notifications so you know as soon as a new episode drops. We look forward to recording another pod for you guys soon.